every world became a garden, but for every garden there was a shepherd, and for all the shepherds, a greater purpose. Open this world to the winding path, light the way where I wish to roam, across the seas of infinity for this weary traveler far from home. This is The Lost Tribe. Welcome back to The Lost Tribe, Since the Father. As always, I am the author and your old narrator, Pete Ride. This week we'll be having two episodes that cover the finale. This is the first. If you are enjoying this broadcast, please follow and subscribe to help me bring the story to you. Thanks for listening, and let's begin. Chapter 27 The winds whipped across the jungle where they entered the world, sending leaves and debris spiraling into the sky and through the trees. They were on the outskirts of the city, as close as they could get without landing in the midst of Manal's opinions. There was a low pulse like a weak heartbeat thumping on the edges of Valkyr's hearing. It came from somewhere to the east of them. Julia touched down to the ground in front of him, her white robes fluttering in the breeze. She drew a sword from within her robes. Nicholas stood on a pile of rubble a few meters away, his hands glowing with white-hot fire. Jack paced back and forth, his hands flexing his knuckles cracking. His face was very tense. He had the smell of rage coming off of him, his testosterone pumping out of him like a furnace. Felker sniffed the air, drawing it in with his wolf senses. He sat back on his haunches on the fallen trunk of one of the huge trees that made up the jungle around them. His claws dug into the bark. This was no mere assault they were going on. This was revenge. If they stopped the ritual, the Manal would lose. Felker only wished that Mick failed to kill him before Felker got the chance to bury his claws in the belly and then maybe do the same to Mick. No matter what little alliances they struck, it would only be temporary until he got his chance to pay Mick back for what he did to Flesh. Flesh. The memory of her was weakening him, turning him soft, when all he wanted to do was tear apart whatever it was that guarded Penny. The image of Flesh fighting Manon was stuck in his mind. It should have given him courage, but he felt empty instead. He hoped his rage would get him through until all this was over. Julia tossed the sword to Jack. It fell at his feet. He reached out and grabbed it, eyeing the blade. Let us depart, she said. You three move across the ruins while I draw the attention of Manon's creatures from above. I'll try to let you know if they're piling in to surround you. Follow me, Belkir growled. He bounded off the log and began to move towards the sound of the thumping beat. Jack moved in behind him, followed by Nick. They were together, if only to save their comrade from her monstrous fate. Being a monster, Belkir understood completely how they could go terribly wrong. You know where you're going, dog? Nick grumbled. Hmm, nice to know things hadn't changed that much. Falker couldn't tear his throat out so easily now, though. Yes, he said. So shut up before you get us killed with your mouth. Jack hacked his way through the jungle as they entered the city. Nick was supposed to start burning his way when Jack stopped him. Not yet. Save it for the enemy. They'll see the smoke. Still as dumb as ever, Falker said. Nick glowered at him as he bounded past. The ruins of the city were right in front of them. The beat was stronger now. Jack looked around and listened. Even Nick stopped as he heard the sound. Falkir leapt onto the crumbled arch of a doorway leading into one of the avenues, and waved for them to come forward. He scrambled over it as they came through. He could see a large dark vortex that was spinning at the center where they were heading. He could also see Julia, 
thirty feet away, much closer to the darkness. She had something large and dark in her grip, and was tearing apart with her bare hands. It was good to know she hadn't lost her touch. Little pieces of red and black fall from where she hovered as she shredded away. Several other shapes were jumping up onto the ruined walls near her to try and leap at her. This is my world! She screamed. Falker chuckled as she plucked one of the dark things out of the air and, the and broke its back over her knee, her claws dug into its throat and groin. Jack was the first to encounter the dark things as their little group moved across the ground. It had come from beyond the corner to ambush them. It was barely recognizable as human, more like an ape dripped in tar. Its only weapons were teeth, claws, and madness. It succeeded in getting only as close as Jack allowed it to be. He hacked it down through the shoulder, and the sword hit stone and rebounded as he bisected the creature. This wasn't the grateful swordsman, Falkir remembered. Jack was careless of his concern for Penny. He saw Falkir looking at him and glared. What? Falkir shrugged. There was no point in telling him something he already knew. They made their way through the ruins, cutting, hacking, and clawing the creatures down as they moved through. The thumping became louder as they approached where he presumed Penny and the circle would be. Julie was drawing a lot of them to her. For every one of them that they met, another didn't even see them as it moved to confront her a few meters away from them in the air. Falker could feel the rhythm in his bones now, a dull thud that spoke of something huge, heavy, and powerful. He wondered if Mick and his group would have felt this at all. He seemed to be calling to him, asking him to turn around and go back, or surrender, fall to his knees before it. Not likely. He may be evil, but he wasn't stupid. He would never be someone's lapdog again. Julia screamed. Jack and Nick looked around at him, and Felker bound up on the nearest ruined wall to see what was happening. She was being pulled down by the weight of them. So many of the little buggers were trying to take her down into the midst of them, clawing at her robes, pulling at her hair, and holding on with a death grip when she eviscerated them with her claws. Julie needed help. Should he tell the others? It was an excellent distraction. Small pangs of guilt twisted his stomach. He could save her before when Menon sucked the life out of her. That wasn't his purpose now, though. Flesh was dead, and she was the only thing he cared about save for his own hide. Menon probably ate her up, too. Damn his rotten, empty hole. Falker dropped down from his perch. She needs help. More than a sword or claws can do. Nick rolled his eyes. They're all over here, you dumb bastard. Get out now. We'll follow behind and make our way to the ritual. Nick took off without a word, his hands bathed with white-hot flame. Felker felt a wave of heat wash back at them as he began to burn the creatures. That left Jack and Felker. They stepped out from behind the ruins and started walking down the alleyway towards the center of the city. They weren't too far away now. The huge pillar of darkness on top of the ritual was growing. Jack pointed at the sky. It was growing brighter, nearly blinding as the gigantic form of the dark sphere drew closer. Something broke off from the pillar and flew at them. He pulled Jack to the ground as it swooped over them. There was a fleeting image of dark claws, tattered robes like a winding cloth, and a screaming mouth. It smelled like a charnel house, of death and decay. In its wake, tiny dark strips of cloth and bone flew on. But they weren't its target. Nick never saw it coming. Falkyrie turned to warn him, but Nick was intent on burning the creatures off of Julia. It grabbed him and flew up into the air. Flames exploded around it as he fought back. In the shadow of the flames, there were claws and teeth working at him, tearing him apart as he fought against it. They moved closer as they struggled. A face appeared in the midst of the shadows, and the eyes swiveled around to look directly at Falkir. No. It swooped back up into the air. Get out of here, Jack. Finish what we came for. Get Penny. Jack pointed at the struggle in the air. What about that thing? Thing. 
Valkyrie changed back into his human form, but kept his claws as sure. I have this. Get him back, Jack. Jack nodded and started off on a run towards the ritual at the center. Valkyrie turned back to watch the darkness above him as it ate Nick alive. Meanwhile in heaven, Father looked up at Apostles with wide eyes and gasped as he pulled away. In his grip, there was a well-oiled revolver. He turned to Pendulous and blew at the back of his skull. The old man crumpled to the floor of the dais, and his staff faded to a blackened piece of metal, inert and useless. Sibelius moved toward Apostos, but Apostos was quick enough to swing it back to point at Sibelius' face. Sibelius stopped dead and backed up. Why? Apostos pointed the gun at Father's head. Tell him, Father. Tell your new favorite son about all the things you did to the last one. Tell him what you did to me. What are you talking about? You let me be tortured and murdered by Menon after you finished wearing me like an old glove. You use us like we are nothing to you. Tools and test subjects that you can just throw away when you are done with them. What do you want, Apostos? Revenge? You cannot hurt me with a gun. I have evolved beyond such frailty. Maybe you have, and maybe you have not. The fact that Penelis is not getting up again leads me to believe that you are cut off from all the power you have reserved in the Great Experiment, and weak from the influence of the approaching malignancy. You are merely what we see here, a weak, faltering old monster surrounded by his enemies, and his victims. Father turned to Sibelius. Please. Apostles turned, and shot Sibelius without a word. Sibelius put his hand to the wound, feeling the absence of part of his face. He toppled to the floor, and his body tumbled down the stairs to come to rest at the bottom. Apostos turned the gun on Father. This universe deserves a better god! A loud report echoed in the palace, and a blinding flash of golden light followed it. There followed silence. Chapter 28 The harbor was rocking and rolling with the waves as Menon approached. The docks floated on the water, and some of them were starting to tip from the magnitude of the waves rolling in as the ship approached. The villagers were scattering as the storm drew closer, and the sky filled with a baleful brightness. The outline of the dark sphere was not visible in the sky. I hoped the others were faring better than we were. I had my doubts that any of us would get out of here alive while cleaning up Father's mess. The darkness that I absorbed from my friends was starting to thrash around madly inside me, looking for a way out. I intended to give it one, soon, just not in the way that it wanted. I gripped my sword tightly, praying that it would be enough to hold off the darkness until it was time. Henry wandered over to me as we stood on the docks, readying ourselves. I wonder how the others are doing! He shouted above the wind. Doesn't our success here have a lot to do with how successful they are? If they break the ritual, then probably Manal will lose a lot of his power. This is all part of his attempt to hit Father while he's vulnerable. Meanwhile, I guess we have to hit him as hard as we can. What the hell is that thing in the water? No idea. But you can bet that that's going to be nasty. The seas are teeming with unpleasant crap since the melt. Well, Henry said, since you've got the only weapon that can probably hurt Manon personally, then maybe the rest of us should do with the, uh, whatever it is. I need Casey beside me. Henry rolled his eyes. Oh, just get a room. Not like that. Casey folded her arms across her chest. I mean, yes, like that, but uh, we're in the middle of a fight here. Casey's hat flew off and was lost on the wind as the gusts hit us. The storm was really close now, and I could see the ship nearly a kilometer away from the shore. The darkness was getting angry now. This is going to be such fun, Nick. 
You've really got to shut up now, like Onus. I'm not in the mood for your jabbering. But not sorry. One Mick, you just don't know how yet. Oh, be quiet. My mind raced, putting Manon to the sword was firmly in my mind. Whatever happened afterward was purely a bonus. Henry pulled out the pistol I'd given him and pointed at the incoming ship. He squinted down the improvised sight that he had created for it, a sequence of brass rings that grew smaller as they approached the end of the barrel. He adjusted a couple of the new little knobs and switches, and the pistol seemed to hum and whine. Green light shone out of the end of the barrel. Henry, what did you do to the nice, crude, but reliable technology that I gave you? He grinned, fiddled with one of the knobs, giving it some kind of fine adjustment. Oh, just tell me when he gets within about ten meters or so. Casey took a couple of steps back. Oh, come on. I'll admit that it's hastily made, but it's hastily made by me. Casey stayed where she was. Henry frowned and grumbled. Totally frickin' unappreciated. I looked back to see if the others were ready. Takum was flexing his hands and pacing in impatience, his eyes glancing between the horizon and where Henry was standing. Maybe you should move back a bit, I whispered to Henry. He's pissed, isn't he? Yeah? Henry sighed and moved back a meter or so. I turned to see Takum nodding at me. He was so protective. I nodded back. Otomo was getting downright scary by comparison. He was kneeling down the docks. His entire body was flickering, pieces of him turning ghostly, others becoming real, then ghostly again. The saber I'd given him was laid out before him. His eyes were distant and were glowing with energy. He didn't seem to see any of us. I remember seeing the same look on his face when he found Apostos in Trelane. What was going on in his head? He's getting ready to die, as you should. Ah, uh, nothing's decided yet. The ship was close now. I could see Manon standing on the bow. He was surrounded by dark tendrils that lifted and writhed around his body. His eyes were fixed on me as he drew closer. Fire, Henry. I felt the heat lance out of the front of the pistol from where Henry stood beside me. It was brighter than anything I'd ever seen, a focused beam of energy that raced towards the approaching ship. Henry pulled the pistol down, and the beam sliced through the sail, the railings, and down through the hull and below. A dreadful cry of pain and anger rocked us from below the ship. Manon jumped out of the way of the beam and landed on a dock a few meters away. The water heaved underneath the ship, sending the vessel keel over stern into the sea. The great monster shape of a kraken, a giant squid with gigantic long tentacles, rose up from below. The creature's skin covered with dark ichor. Its body was the shape of an anchor, and sailed high on the water, supported by the tentacles as they played about. There was a deep burn scar high on its body, where the beam had sliced and cauterized it. It was raising its tentacles in the air to bite us. Each of the tentacles had cruel hooks and suckers oozing with ichor. The thing was made to kill us. Don't let it touch you! Manel moved quickly, crossing the docks on his own legs and being lifted along by the tendrils. Henry leapt back to join Takuma and Otomo. Casey moved around from behind me and put a couple of rounds of Manel as he moved towards us. He laughed as the bolts hit him and didn't slow down at all. He was having way too much fun with us. As he reached me, I hoisted up my sword to hack him down. His tendrils lashed out, forming long spikes that threatened to impale me. I dodged underneath them and cut one of them off. The touch of the sword was electric, burning the tendril-like acid as the severed piece dropped to the dock and began to sizzle. Manon stepped back. Casey came around beside me and pointed the gun at Manon. He had to give her credit, she wasn't giving up. Meanwhile, Henry and Takuma and Otomo were under attack from the Kraken. Henry was using the beam to slice at it, which was angering it further. Takuma was trying to keep the tentacles from slicing Henry apart, slapping at them with the force of his hands. Otomo had risen from the docks, sword in hand, and was walking slowly and steadily towards the Kraken. What the hell was he doing? Not doing so well, are they? 
Menal said to me. Well enough, I told him. It's the end of the worlds, after all. This would be a good time to get up, Nick. If you and your people lay down your weapons and walk away, I will promise you amnesty on any world that you choose to inhabit. Why was he so damn confident? Shitty deal. You know what happens if we stay anywhere for too long. That's your problem. The tendrils reformed, gathering up his arms into a large sword. Last chance. Go to hell, Manon, I said, moving to engage him. Our blades met, and each meeting brought sizzling shards from the weapons, flying in all directions. The darkness kept on reforming of the sword as we clashed, forming over the damage as quickly as I could hack away at it. Tomo! came Henry's cry from behind me. I looked over for a brief moment as the Tomo became ghostly and dove directly into the great body of the Kraken. He's not going to like it in there, Menel said. It was just enough of a distraction. I ducked to the side. Henry's beam sliced through Manon's right arm, severing it clean. Manon screamed as the member exploded in a splatter of darkness. Gotcha! Henry said, pointing the pistol at him. Chapter 29 The thing that was once the woman that Falkir cared for most in the world tore apart their old comrade in quick succession. The flames in the darkness stopped flaring, and there were no white robes left showing as she devoured the rest of his being. He tried to feel bad for Nick for dying twice while trying to fight Manon, but he was now left with the fallout of Nick's failure. Falkir knew he wasn't walking away from this. He stood still, waiting for her to come to him. The darkness sailed down through the air, the shards of bone clattering in the breeze like a wind chime as she floated down. He looked over to where Nick had been burning the creatures trying to save Julia. There were burnt corpses everywhere, some stirred, some twitched. On top of it, streaked in red and black gore, was an arm lying lit, the lily-white flesh of it in deep contrast. The nails on the end of the hand were golden claws. It was very still. He didn't know if Julia was dead, but she was out of the fight. The darkness swirled in front of him, and collapsed upon itself until a form began to take shape. Her form was slender, but shapely still. It was draped in a cloak that ended in tiny bones. Her hands were great, chitinous black paws that hung at her sides. From underneath the shredded remains of her hood, her face was visible. It was only half there. One eye remained in darkness. The other beheld Valkyr, unblinking. She turned her head and leaned in towards him. One claw reached out and touched his ruined cheek. It was cold. The claw traced down his form, ending at his own claws. He reached out slowly and put his hand on her cheek, or where his cheek seemed to be. There was no form to it, nothing solid. I'm sorry I could save you, Valkyrie said, hoping that there was enough inside of her to understand. She frowned and seized his arms with her claws. Flesh, let me go. Help me destroy the man that did this to you. Help me stop him. She shook her head slowly, and he felt her claws tighten around him. Was there nothing left of her? She embraced him, and he felt the warmth leave his body. He winced as the claws dug into his back, piercing his flesh and digging in. It was painful and sensual. There was something left of her, but there was something new inside, something he knew very well. It was hunger. Mad, predatory hunger. Don't let me live without you. The face that was not a face smiled. It became the skull. I wouldn't dream of it. He felt all that he was draining away as she fed on him. This wasn't cruel or painful. It was the end. Peace.
Jack ran towards the dark pillar at the center of the city. Several creatures jumped out to take his life, but they were all dispatched in savage desperation. He almost tripped over the corpses as they fell in several portions. As he entered the ring of pillars that encompassed the ritual area, the corpses twisting on the wind rose from their drifting slumber and came towards him, hissing and moaning. His blade ripped through them as they reached the skeletal claws of Jack. They fell easily, but there were many. Jack bowled through them, abandoning thoughts of protection, and entered the inner circle. Penny knelt, her hands at her sides, her head now sunk into her chest, her hood fallen over it. She was still speaking now, but drowsily. Jack heard her as she whispered, The sea will break, the apostle will rise, the devourer will eat her young, the king withered will pass into memory, the three shall inherit the one. Above her, a nimbus of darkness danced around her head. Jack scrambled to his feet, kicking at the corpses that clawed at him in their attempts to drag him away. He looked at Penny and tackled her. There was a great roaring, and the stone pillar shook as the darkness exploded from the dark pillar and began to hurtle back into the sky. The corpses collapsed into dust. The winds began to die down as Jack cradled Penny in his arms. She stared up at the sky, her eyes focused on the outline of the dark sphere as it began to retreat. Her eyes were as dark as the night sky. Her gaze shifted to Jack, and she smiled at him. Are you okay? I feel fine, my love, she said, and rose to her feet. She stretched and looked down at herself. In one death movement, she shrugged off her old clothes, which were torn and filthy. Huh, okay, Jack said, smiling in her naked form. She smiled as well and ran her hands down her body. As she did so, darkness like silks rolled out of her palms and wrapped around her body. They became a silk robe with a hood that she eased over her dark ringlets. She sighed as the garment settled over her. Turning around to Jack, she reached down and extended her hand. Come, my love. We have a lot of work to do. He took her hand, and they disappeared from the world. Thank you for listening and supporting this podcast. Come back later this week for the second part of the finale to the Lost Tribe, Sins of the Father. 